Hello, and welcome to The Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. This podcast has been 17 years in the making. Uh, this goes back to 2004. Christina was like 13 years old playing the, P- the LPJ tour. And I buzzed into her life to do kind of the first big story about her. We had a blast. We've been friends and collaborators ever since. We wrote a book together. We played some recreational golf. We've had some meals. We've hung out. Finally, we're uh, we're coming to or busting into the podcast game and bringing our uh, I don't know our collaboration to a new medium. It's been a long time coming, CK. Yeah, no question. I mean, between you and I, we've got fifty years of experience. Just about. I've been on tour since near damn near the turn of the millennium. You had already been on the beat for almost 10 years at that point. So we got a plethora of stories of experiences of life that we've led. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, th- I went back and read that story the other day. It's, it's really amusing. And I mean, just, just to place it in historical context, you, you came out on tour in 2003 Shot a 61 right out of the box. Uh, everyone was, was 62, right? Should have been a 61. I remember put that lift out. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, really announced yourself. And at that point, I was working out of the office in New York City as an editor for Sports Illustrated. And I just remember thinking, this girl is such a breath of fresh air. And so in 04, I, I went back out onto the beat. And that was one of the first stories I did because I just wanted to... Uh, have the full Christina experience. And at that point, you, you and your family still had that Econo van that was had about a million miles on it. You would travel the world in and uh, your dad was such a character. I, I love that guy. And it was just fun just to kind of get sucked into your world a little bit. What do you remember from, from those old days and you know, that, that era? Oh, well, let's see, since it was early in my career, I remember the lack of mortgage payments. <laughs> And I, I had purchased my own, uh, my first car at that point. However, I had this powder blue Honda Civic hybrid. Her name was Vanessa. She was such a Vanessa. Oh my God. And I just remember how fresh and new and exciting and terrifying and hysterical to every definition of the word being on tour was. It was something that I, I'm not going to say that I dreamt about it. As a kid growing up, I was about 12 years old when I first picked up the game. I was, I just knew I wanted to play golf for the rest of my life. And I was young, so I had no concept of going, getting a job, having your own life. My family, we're very, very close. And so I was just like, oh, okay, well, I'm a kid. I'm just going to freeload off my parents for the rest of my life and just play golf every day. And I remember when I was, God, 17 actually I, I was such a stupid kid my dad was like we played the u.s women's open it was the year morgan pressel qualified for the women's open at pine needles and my dad was like yeah, i was the youngest player to make the cut and i was third low and my dad was like bruh like we you could have walked off with 12 grand and i was like of dollars and he was like yeah i was like people make money doing this shit i was like this is incredible i want to do that And so that was really what kind of started my professional career. Obviously, I had seen Tiger Woods growing up. I I watched, I was such a huge fan of Davis Love III, still am to this day. Freddie Couples, obviously, he's like golf's George Clooney. I, I was, it was a little different for me though, because 
ever since I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, my dad used to traipse about in the trees at all of my junior tournaments with a tripod and one of those 19 pound video cameras. And he would just skulk along the tree line like a Yeti. And I didn't know any different. So whenever I saw professional golf on TV, uh, my first real recollection of watching the women play golf was when we were at what is now the ANA Inspiration, previously the Craft Nabisco Championship. Everyone knows it as Dinah Shore. And Dottie Pepper was on the 71st hole, par three, back left hole location. And she hit her tee shot and she just went, damn it, Dottie. And I was like, ooh, first of all, I think we got our lines crossed because that that's a that kid looks kind of old. I just assumed everybody's parents filmed their kids in golf tournaments and forced their kids to watch them with just mounting levels of shame and, and humiliation. And I was like, also, bro, people swear on the golf course. This is awesome. So I'd like to thank Dottie Pepper for some of the fines I may or may not have incurred throughout my career. That's funny because my first master's was 94 and I remember watching Curtis Strange on the 15th hole and he uh, hit a shot that was uh, it was coming in a little hot to that, you know, obviously that green and he yells out, grow teeth, motherfucker. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like Curtis instantly my favorite player. And, um, but yeah, so I, it's really the first time you hear it at a, at a professional event, it is a little shock to the system. Like, I didn't know you could do that. It's so cool. Oh, absolutely. I was, it was, it was a, it was, it was an awakening for me that I have had to battle and battle and battle for the last two decades since. I mean, profanity and golf are just meant to go together. It's just a fact. And it's Golf's a four letter word. I'm just saying. So trying to hold it in is tough. I mean, I've, I've played just enough, you know, pro-ams and other little things like that when you, you have to watch what you're saying it's a total drag it affects my my mental health out there so I, I feel your pain a little bit because you got to let it out it's a frustrating game I would say above all else just read the room if you're with a player that seems pretty chill and is talkative and chatty and things like that go ahead and go ahead and let it out also grow teeth Oh my God. That is, that might be one of my new favorites ever. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's, very, it's very strong. Well, all right. Since this is kind of the, the origin story podcast that people know a little bit about how you're introduced to the game, but this is one of my favorite nuggets that your dad made you go in the backyard and swing a club over and over forever until you actually got to hit a golf ball. Like walk us through that the mental torture of it. And then it must've been so cathartic to actually smash a golf ball and just watch it disappear into the, the horizon. Like, yeah. Whoa. So, yeah. so my brother and sister, both of whom are older than I am. And I picked up the game of golf on the same day. My dad had by that point been playing golf. I, I want to say for a couple of years at that point, because we were very much, you know, like I said, a, a close-knit family. It was like parents would work all day, every day during the week. And then on Saturdays, we'd have pancakes. We'd watch Saturday morning cartoons. It would be this whole thing. And all of a sudden, it just became this like cold, cold, desolate house on the weekends. And I was like, 
what in the hell is going on? I'm nine years old. I have no comprehension in terms of anything. And then my dad said, well, I started playing golf. And I, though, none of those words like fit in a sentence together for me at that point. And so a couple of years in, my dad, who I must say, on his 99th day of having picked up a golf club for the first time, had a hole in one. I know. I'm sorry, Alan. And managed to break a hundred on that same day. So he's, he's a phenomenal athlete, always has been picked everything up really quickly. And one reason why he was so obsessed with golf is because he was always a reactionary athlete. You chase the ball, you hit, he played tennis at a very high level back in Korea. So he, everything he did was reactionary. And so it's, you sit there and the ball's just staring at you. You have to make it. It's it's mocking you. It's inviting you to provide it with some means of artistry and not just brute force. And so my dad took my brother, sister, and I into the backyard and he had one of those like three by two foot mats that had a little metal hook with a yellow ball dangling on a rope. And he said, here's a golf club. No dummy. You hold it from the other end. He said, this is how you stand. This is how you swing. And he had my brother, my sister, and I each every single day do 500 golf swings. And what we would try and do, though, is we would go address, backswing, follow through, backswing, follow through, backswing. We would not start all over again. It was just that backward and forward motion. And so it was it was a little different because we did have that stupid ball on that stupid hook. It still made no sense, though, because when you did make contact, it would be hanging on the hook and just wheel around or whatever. And you'd hit it on the way back as much as you would on the way through. And sometimes you'd hit the hook. And so we would sit there and we would count each other's swings because we're like, nah, I'm like, we're all going to suffer through this. And we're going to suffer through in the same way. Be like, no, 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 sweetheart. That was 498 swings. You want me to tell dad that you, you didn't make it all the way through? So about three months into that, he took us to the driving range and he was like, all right, there's a point to all of this. The ball on the hook, it's not supposed to be on the hook. You start with it above the ground, you hit it onto the ground, and then from on the ground, you finish underground as quickly as possible. And it was- When you put it like that, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's still, I, I was just like, okay. like, I was always a, I still am to this day. I'm always going to be my daddy's little girl. And my brother and sister were older than I was. I was just shy of 12. They were 14 ish and 15 ish. And so my dad was like, you know, you guys can get golf scholarships. You can make it out on tour. This and that. Don't worry about Tina. She's, she's got some time yet. So he was a bit more he pushed them a lot more than he pushed me. And so between me having that freedom to kind of choose and, and, and learn to love the game on my own, combined with the fact that as an, as the youngest child, as the baby, I had no concept as to why no attention was paid to me. And so I was like, well, this ain't right. And so I it started to excel. I started to play really well, started to perform nicely. 
And my dad was like, oh, I was like, all right, well, like none of the kids are a lost cause. Um, at that point, my brother was six, three, he could hit his tailor made tie bubble to spoon left-handed 300 yards and had, in my opinion, arguably a better short game than Phil Mickelson. My sister, who was, like I said, 15, when she first started playing the game, my uncle had told her, if you can shoot even par, I'll buy you a car because there's no way in hell. Like he had played golf for uh, eight or 12 years at that point, year and a half, boom, got a car. And I was there to witness that round. And I was like, holy cow, you guys are so good. And so I would just, you know, during our summers, we'd be over at Palo Alto Muni. We would roll out of the car before it came to a complete stop. We'd have to be dragged back into the car after the sun had gone down 54 holes of golf later every day during the entire summer. It it was, it was, they were, they were much um, simpler times, if you will. But I mean, obviously it sounds like you, you loved it, but your siblings didn't really stick with the game. Did they get burnt out by your, your dad's sort of stern uh, introduction to the sport? I don't know if it was a stern introduction as much as it was his uh, fervor throughout the entire time they play golf. Um, they are very much their own person and I yeah I would say they did get burnt out they they, they're still love and respect and passion for the game it's just I'm the one that's like you know I'm like that squirrel in ice age where I'm just like where in the hell did I put that nut and so I'm still just forever going to try and find that nut and find the perfect spot to place it (laughs) um I'm struggling with that metaphor but okay I get it Uh, (laughs) I don't know the movie ice age I do know the movie. He's such a squirrel and he's trying to find but, the nuts, finding the nut. So, he found the nut, actually. He's trying to put the nut in the right place and then he causes the ice. So what is, to- what is your nut winning the U.S. Women's Open? Like, what's the nut? Or it's just a simplicity of hitting a pure golf shot? Like, what is it that you're searching for? Being able to obtain perfection when it comes to the game. I know it's impossible. But there is, if it's one of those things, that's one reason why we all play is because we know no one's ever been perfect before. But that's not to say no one ever will. And who knows, something may happen where we end up being that one person. And even if it's just for a few fleeting hours to hit every single shot the way you want to, because I, I will tell you right now, you talk to almost anyone that has ever played with me, I am the best misser of the golf ball. I can shank it straight for the most part. And so for me, it's about knowing that my swing uh, is in the right place, which puts me into contact with a perfect shot. It's about shaping the shot. I want it to landing on that blade of grass and looking at rolling the center of my ball over that specific blade of grass on the putt to see it drop in at the exact speed that I want it to go in. If you can get that in a day, oh my God, like, obviously you, you, you're going to be, we're all chasing the dragon. There's no question of that, but you never know. You never know if we're going to be able to, to truly achieve that. See, I'm not sure that it's impossible. I mean, major league baseball pitchers throw perfect games. Like you, you go to the first hole, you hit a perfect drive. You hit a great approach shot. You make the putt birdie. Boom. Why can't you do that for 17 more holes in a row? I mean, you just did it. Like you could, you well, could hit. There are, in terms of baseball, it's semi, it's not that it's semi-subjective, but if there's 
a pitch that's called a strike when it clear when it wasn't. If there's a, um, you know, it, it, it's. I know. So there. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sort of being uh, obnoxious about it, but it's all you is the thing. In baseball, yeah. it's not necessarily all you. I know it's not a perfect it's not a perfect parallel, but the point is, I mean, you could birdie every hole. It's it's physically possible. It, I mean, you've probably made 10, 11, 12 birdies in a round before. Like, it, it could be done. But I'm not going strictly based off of score. I'm going every specific shot and every specific swing because I've made birdies where I'm just like, oh, I don't. I didn't touch any grass on this entire golf hole. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like you, you hit, you hit into a bunker on a par three, you hold out from the bunker it's still a birdie. Doesn't necessarily mean it was perfection. Right. It's true. It's all in how you define it. But, um, so when I, when I, when I dropped into your life at Oh four, I mean, the world was, was your oyster. You were playing great. As you said, you had no mortgage payments. You didn't know how hard it was to make some of those six footers. And here you are almost, you know, two decades later, you still love the game as much, but you've been beaten up a little bit by it. Uh, You've had some great triumphs. Like where do you place yourself in the context of your career? Are you halfway done? Can can you see the finish line or you feel like you're, you're still, you're still young at heart. Like, where are you? Well, I, I will always say that I'm young at heart. I still tell fart jokes. I am a fart joke, but let's be real. I would say that I've just crested the halfway point in my career, in my opinion, at this exact moment on this particular day. I still love the game. I have a greater sense of appreciation for it. I feel like my knowledge of the game has increased dramatically compared to where I was when I was a rookie on tour, there are so many things that golf has allowed me to, you know, deal with and and, and allowed me to be, um, if you will, like, you know, exposed to, and especially with the way the thing, the, the world is by way of our political climate, as well as the climate climate, there are so many different things that I can do to make changes to the world by way of golf, you know, I, 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 I'm, yeah, I mean, I've had some shitty years. I'm just coming off of a couple of shitty years. A couple of years ago, I had a bunch of injuries. I've had issues in terms of a near suicide attempt. I've got to be battling my mental health every single day. And yet I'm still here. Like, that's one of the things I love about this game. That's one thing I love about myself is that I am still here. I, I, I mean, I was born the year of the rap, but I think I might consider myself more of a, a cockroach. Like I'm tough to get rid of. <laughs> I mean, do you take pride in the fact that there's now girls on the LPGA? They could literally be your daughter. I mean, you're, you're, you're one of the most veteran players out there. You, you've made a heck of a career out of it. And as you say, there's been some tough years and there's been some tough times, but uh, it's it's not easy to stay on tour as long as you have. I mean, how, how just the longevity factor? How proud of are are you of that? Um, you know, I, I if I were to sort of take a step back and look at things, I guess I would say that I'm proud. Um, the reality is, though, it's it's you know, you're only as old as you feel. You're only as 
you're only going to allow yourself to use the fact that you're a certain age to your advantage or disadvantage if you let it. Again, I'm I'm in better shape than I've been in a very long time. I also have the wisdom and wiliness of age and experience. There are definitely girls that are on tour that I've been on tour longer than they've been alive. Like, let alone the fact that they're my daughters. Like, you know, if I was mathematically, not that this is something that, you know, it, it, it is possible. I could be a hot grandma technically, you know what I mean? Like just based on the sheer numbers. Um, so I don't really think about it as, as that way. I just kind of look at it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like these kids, like they have their whole lives ahead of them. And I, I hope they're able to understand and realize how amazing the tragedies are to one's life as well as the triumphs. Is that a thing? A gilf? Gross. Absolutely. There are. <laughs> I mean, you introduced the topic. I'm just, you know, I'm just taking it one step too far, but hey, the way uh, that I see it, if, if you can imagine it, there is a fetish for it. Unfortunately, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> uh, so Let's talk about this podcast. What are we hoping to accomplish? There's a lot of golf podcasts out there, and I'm sure there's a, a slice of, the, of the, the fan base saying, do we really need another golf podcast? What is, what is the answer to that? Well, do we need anything is the way that I like to see it. <laughs> okay, the only point. things we need are air and water, um, occasionally sleep, maybe Sushi. Some love that would be that would be it. Um, do we need another golf podcast? No. Last time I checked, I didn't have to give a shit if people thought we needed one or not. You know, I think that I've told you before. I've had the ideas of a podcast brewing in my brain for over two years now. It's been almost two and a half years, and I just kind of told myself like, it's going to happen when it's meant to happen. And all sorts of series of events took place, including for those that can't see, I'm just kind of wading off into the ether in regards to everything. And I think that in the before times, it wouldn't have necessarily been the right time to make a podcast. And so to be able to team up with you, Alan, to, to be a part of the fire pit collective, I think that there's, there's just so many amazing things. And I'm in a better space than I was two years ago when I first had this idea, um, you know, and, and the fact that I get to collaborate with you and we get to work together and we get to sort of, you know, build this whole sort of whatever oblong amoeba shaped thing this ends up being. I think it's great. Do we need one? No. Do I think that it's important that we recognize um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not about being offensive or anything. It's just reality. Like, pretty much every single golf podcast out there, like could be run by you, you know, or some sort of facsimile of you as in. Demographically you, speaking. Yeah. Yeah. No. Demographically speaking, you know, I, and so I, I also think that it's important to make sure that we share stories, whether they're our own, whether they're guests that we have, whether we introduce people to their favorite players, um, those players, caddies, people that are, you know, just in the golf industry, friends that we have in all walks of life that are involved in golf. And, you know, especially with everything that's been going on these last five years, I think it's so important for people to remember that there's a hell of a lot more of that sort of 
that can bring us together by way of the things that we have in common than what separates us. That's well said. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's just kind of the right, the right venture at the right time. I'm excited about it. I've, I've podcasted off and on for a long time, my former house of worship and, um, but could never quite commit to doing it weekly. Didn't, didn't quite have the support and, and uh, sort of a one man band. And I like the idea, you know, teaming up together and different perspectives. We, we have, you know, I've obviously been on one side of the ropes. You've been on the other. I think that the two different perspectives are, are valuable. You know, we see the game, I think pretty similarly people who don't know Christina that well, you know, they see this big brash presence and the colorful wardrobe, but you're really a traditionalist at heart. I mean, I think you're like among the most old school kind of golfers that I know. And I mean, that as a emphasis on old, (laughs) but as far as how you view the game, how it should be played, the equipment, um, the rules, all those things. I mean, you definitely have, have a a traditionalist take, I think at the same time, you're, you're you're still kind of your edgy California, you know, cool chick. So it's, it's an, it's a, it's a pleasing package, I would say. Uh, and, and definitely as you, as you say, we, we need more voices in, in the golf podcast game. So I'm, it's awesome. You have this platform to educate and entertain the rest of us. We have this platform and we're going to be yeah. able to hold one another accountable, which I'm very excited about. You get to be my accountability buddy. <laughs> hmm. That sounds daunting, but yeah, it's no, for sure. It's uh, there's going to be, there's gonna be times when you're in Asia and I'm I'm somewhere uh, on the other, other side of the world. And we're gonna be trying to do this in the middle of the night, and I, I, it'll be it'll be a fun challenge to piece it together. But uh, I, and I like what you said about bringing in different voices for sure. I I think you and I together we know some interesting people in the game who who otherwise may not have a, a platform to tell their story and uh, what you know. There's some quirky characters out there. It's gonna be fun to bring them bring them along and and to see what we can squeeze out of them. Uh, <laughs> That, uh, is that kind of gross? But you know what I mean. Uh, no, see, I and that's the thing. We can play. It's not going to be good cop, bad cop. You're going to be the investigative journalist. And I'll just be like, I'm cute and fun. And so I always joke that I, um, and, and very, very rarely for selfish personal reasons, uh, I, I do joke that I have a superhero power of manipulating people and sort of like guiding them to, things that are good for the greater good, not necessarily for my own selfish reasons. Cause I'm just like, as long as I can take my pants off when I get home, like that's really all that I ever need. Um, but I think that, yeah, this is going to be fun because we're going to be able to, like you said, you know, I've been on one side of the ropes. You've been on the other side of the ropes. You are uh, so intelligent and well-spoken and wonderful with your words. And I just fill words with either swears or farts. And so I think we have this wonderful package between the two of us of being able to bring in some, some brevity as, as well as discussing serious topics. And, and again, we're going to be talking about more than just, you know, the, the MOI of a specific putter or, you know, the spin rate versus club head speed, blah, 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 blah. Like we are both you and I, we're, we're, we're lovers of this game. We revere this game. And at the same time, this game does not have to define us. You know, we define ourselves. And so I want to talk about social injustices. I want to talk about things that are going on in the world. I want to be able to talk about my LGBTQAIP plus family as a person that 
um, identify as pansexual. I want to talk about, you know, conservation. I want to talk about animals, all the animals. I, I want to talk about everything because, again, I will never just shut up and dribble. I would never wish for you to just shut up and write. We are so much more than what we do because what we do is exactly that. What we do doesn't define us as to who we are. Also, makeup. I'll leave that to you. So yes, we, we should just, I want to get into where you are in your career for, for people who are just tuning in, who maybe have not followed the whole creation of the fire pit collective, just very briefly, you know, I was at sports illustrated for almost 25 years, three years ago, there was a big corporate shakeout. I went to golf magazine, golf.com and had a, had a nice run there, but was looking for maybe a little more uh, freedom and a little more control. And um, Matt Janella and his, his partner, Alex Peggy, they were together at the golf channel for a long time. They launched the fire pit collective. I was, I was watching from the sidelines with a lot of envy and finally just took the plunge. And we the three of us have kind of joined forces to, to build what, you know, we think is going to be a whole new, uh, golf media platform. And we're, we're super duper excited about it. the firepitcollective.com is where all my typing will go. It's where all of Matt's video storytelling it's where this podcast will live. Of course, we'll also we'll blow it out on, on social media as well. But uh, it's it's definitely I, you know, I'm 47, but I I feel like I I'm waking up with the, kind of the enthusiasm I had when I was 22 and just starting out at, in this job. And the 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 landscape has changed dramatically. Uh, but I I kind of enjoy that challenge. I mean, you know, you have to be sort of to use a baseball thing. You have to be a five tool player. So I can't just write one story. Uh, every three weeks, like I used to in the old days for SI. I mean, now we'll be writing uh, a lot of stuff for, for our website, obviously podcasting, doing the video stuff, taking on other roles within the company. So it's, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped up. Like I really, uh, this is what I needed because I wouldn't say I fell into a rut, but it was, there was a sameness to my, to my, my role. And I definitely feel energized and, and this pod's part of it. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, to see where this goes, as you said a while ago, it's just going to kind of evolve, and we're going to we're going to figure it out together, and that, that's going to be part of the fun and part of the challenge. But so now let's talk about where you are in your career here, like uh, even even on the granular level, you know your status on the LPGA. Uh, you know, I know there's some tournaments you didn't get into the early part of this season where uh, you're hoping to get into. Like, uh, where are you in in the, the LPGA firmament, and and also just how you feel about your game going forward? Well, to first tackle the ladder, I feel great about my game. Um, you know, just uh, I have played a couple of events so far. Like you had said, I missed the first two events, which were a result of, again, just waving vaguely into the ether. Um, when the pandemic first hit early in 2020, obviously nobody knew a damn thing, period. And so our commissioner, Mike Wan, and everyone with the LPGA had decided that the best course of action, because, you know, we've got players from all over the world. We have some players that may not have been permitted to travel to the U.S. because of decisions made by past administrations, um, the former guy. And also there we have players that have, you know, whether we've got players that are diabetics, players that have asthma, players that have, you know, just underlying health issues, let's say, if, if there's an autoimmune condition or something. And on top of that, this shit was scary. So Mike won and the LPGA decided to let us know that, hey, we're going to put a pause on everything. 
back in March after we had played in Australia, which I had just come off of two top tens. And that had happened because I had to go back to Q series the fall before for the first time to do actual Q series because I played like doo in 2019. And so it was one of those things where I was like, ah, oh, man, buzzkill. But, and I, I do try to avoid saying the word but because I feel like that sort of diminishes everything I say prior to that word. However, this is a yes, but I will oftentimes say no buts. This is a yes, but in that it was the right choice to make. Nobody knew anything about the pandemic. We all, people were dropping like flies. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't understand, still don't understand the history behind it. So Mike was like, you know what, whatever status you have at this moment, you're going to keep it. If we do come back out and play, you will maintain that status. And then next year, we're going to start the season with the same status. So if you're concerned about playing and you don't feel comfortable doing it, we're not going to force you to do it, which I agreed with back then. And I agree with today. It still sucked back at the beginning of the season when I was like, oh, I live in Orlando. Great. Oh, I didn't get in the tournament. I have to go through the Monday qualifier. Those things suck. I, I don't understand Monday qualifiers uh, other than it's just golf. Um, you have to, you generally have to do something pretty awesome, which again is one reason why you earn the right to play in the tournament. And then the next week we're at Golden Ocala where I have an honorary membership. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I, 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 I'm not mad either. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Have to try that Monday qualifier. Missed that by a couple. Okay, nice. Nice. Finished uh, second alternate. Cool. I was glad to finish that second alternate because that's where I started and nobody contracted COVID in, in either of those two weeks, which I was very, very thrilled about. And then had two weeks, um, you know, had my season start. So had two top 30 finishes. I don't actually remember. I just remember I finished top 20 at A&A, um, have played, I played in Hawaii and I had... I, I always tell myself this, like I, because I still get really upset and I will lose my damn mind because I am human and I am a perfectionist. However, I was telling myself, you know what? Kind of got to reach a quota of imperfect shots. I think I got 2021 down <laughs> in one week. So good job. <laughs> well, how, how much do you have to sort of check your ego to be, you know, you're Three-time winner on the LPGA Tour. You played in three Solheim Cups, and now you're now in singles. By the way, yeah, that <laughs> I was about to say that, and uh, and now you have to roll up to the Monday qualifier with with people who don't have your resume or your experience. Like, and is is that emotionally difficult for for a player? I'm sure it can be. The way that I saw it is, I had, you know. One shot, one opportunity, bomb spaghetti. I, I, I said, this is my chance again to the tournament. If I get in, great. If I don't, okay. Then, um, you know, I, because I, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, do you know who I am? And they're like, yeah, dude, you're the one that needed a flush twice when I was in the bathroom, the stall next to yours or something. You know, like everybody poops. Um, and, you know, again, I, yeah, I played well last year. I had three top tens, but that 
other than adding to my um, you know career earnings and and making sure that I was able to purchase food and and all of that, it didn't do anything by way of my status really, and that's okay. You know, you you have to adapt. My my thoughts are always that your options are adapt or die, and so rolling up to uh, to money qualifiers, not easy. Those things suck. And just because I have, um, you know, had a career that has spanned over going on three decades, doesn't doesn't mean that I'm more deserving of a spot. Because if I was more deserving of a spot, I would have made a couple more putt the Q series and not had to worry about it. So it's it's all good with me is the way I see it. And I told myself, you know, when I didn't get into like Nona, I said, okay, that just gives me more time to work on my game to try and um, be ready for Gold Nocala. And then I was like, oh play the qualifier okay cool play the qualifier say all right fuck it this just means that i am giving myself more time to prepare for when the season does start and i did have at least a semi-concrete start which was the ana the first major in all of professional golf and i had a nice little bonus of being told oh you're actually going to play the week before that at the kia so i was like sweet so i was just you know everything happens for a reason whether you want to call it you know, by, by divine intervention or, you know, the Jesus or something like that. It's all good. If you think that's just the universe doing things, if you think that it's just happenstance, whatever it is, everything just, everything happens. And so the only thing you can do is encounter things, assess them and see how yes. And you can be about it. Cause what is bitching about something going to do for me, you know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be like people are gonna be like, "Oh man, I heard Christina. She was she was complaining. She did a really good job complaining. I'm going to go and pull my name off the field list so she can get in." <laughs> like, no, come on. Yeah, but so I mean, top twenty, the dinosaurs, no joke. Like, do can can you play your way into better status as the year progresses or the reshuffles and and that sort of thing? Like, explain that to, to the listener and to me because even the whole reshuffle thing is very esoteric for the rest of us. Yes. So we do have basically three trimesters to our season. The first trimester concludes right after the Pure Silk LPG Championship in the beautiful region of Williamsburg, Virginia, which is near Colon- uh, in Colonial Williamsburg, which is near where the, you know, one of our founding cities of Roanoke, Virginia um, was in Jamestown. And so after that tournament concludes, I have so you've got your top 80 from last year. You have your tournament winners, you have your major winners, and then you have the others. So in terms of the others, which include uh, players from Q series, 10, uh, some Metro Tour players, you've got other people outside the top 80. <laughs> Christina, don't make they me regret asking this question. <laughs> you go, you ask. So Basically, I can shuffle my way up. And then there's another um, another reshuffle after the Canadian Women's Open. So, yes, there's, there are opportunities to play your way up. Obviously, like on the PG Tour, as a member, if you finish in the top 10, you can automatically gain birth into um, the next tournament, so long as it's not a major or this, that, something, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, there's plenty of ways for me to play my way up. And, you know, good golf will help a lot of things in a lot of ways. Are you writing letters to sponsors hoping to get exemptions? I am not. I am the kind of person that's like, I'm going to get in if I get in. Although I will occasionally, if it's, if it's 
depending on, I have done it in the past. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm pretty tight with a lot of tournament directors. I'll just like shoot them a text like nine o'clock at night. Be like, yo, did you give it all your sponsors? And that's already. <laughs> and if they say yes, I'm like, oh, okay, then I'm not going to write a letter. If they say no, we're considering stuff. And I'd be like, you know, the hand, the girl with her hand up emoji. I'd be like, oh, be on the look, check your email inbox in a couple of hours. That's like the, the golf equivalent of the you up text you, know, <laughs> you feel a little lonely <laughs> thinking about some people you've had some relationships with in the past for sure yeah. for sure except i do it at like nine o'clock at night and not three o'clock in the morning and i don't okay. finish it with like four question marks <laughs> that's slightly more respectable um, <laughs> but yeah i mean it's it's true if you're unless you're a very select number of players on any tour, if you're out there for a long time, there's, there's, you're going to have these, these stretches and you just got to battle through them. And have, have there been any, any veterans or anyone you've, you've turned to for, for some counsel or have you got any great pep talks along the way that's kind of kept you going through some of the more challenging times? Yeah, no question. I, I have been very close with Meg Mallon and Beth Daniel, Nancy Lopez and I have talked quite a bit, which is kind of comical. Cause you're like, it's Nancy. Like, she's she's not really the slump kind of player by way of her career and you know just talking with just just the friends in the golf industry outside of the golf industry observing things watching fellow players watching fellow you know even though i'm in a slightly different situation in that you know i haven't won in about seven years or something like that six and a half years no one's counting whatever it's cool um you know you can still take a look at that doesn't mean that a top player isn't still capable within, within me. And so when you see some of your friends that are top players that are struggling and you can sit there and say, okay, I've seen this, I've lived this. I'm not telling you what to do. It's just, these are lessons that I've learned that I would hate for you to have to learn in the same way. It's almost like you're having your own little therapy session with yourself. It's just someone's kind of in the way of you talking to yourself, if that makes any sense. And yeah, so totally. I've had, yeah, I've had talks with players. I've had talks with, you know, people outside of, um, you know, outside of the locker room, things like that. You can, you can learn lessons from pretty much anyone, anywhere, as long as your eyes are open to it. Well, and obviously 2021 is the theme in golf is, is just the comebacks with, you know, George Spieth and always, and Hideki breaking these long windless uh, slumps, Stuart Sink. Uh, but of course, Lydia Ko, who mm-hmm. is, we all love, and she's such a transcendent talent. And for her to go as long as she had without winning and then to, to break through the way she did just the other day. Uh, uh, do, do, do those, when you see players uh, coming through and finding their old form and does that give you a little jolt of energy and a little a little a little uh, confidence boost like hey they found it I could find it too um I, I will say and I don't mean this in a, in a in a manner that is meant to sound as cocky as it's going to I am the most delusionally positive person on the planet so at any point I'm always going to be like well this could go in you know, like even if I'm like, I've got my back against the wall, I have to hit under one tree over another and it's like 197 yards and I have to hit a cut draw. Like, why not? You know, if, if it can be done, why can't it be me that does it? Um, it, it is still very inspiring. I, I know that I took a lot of inspiration from Brendan Todd's journeys 
Um, obviously watching Jordan Spieth and Hideki come through Stuart Sink. He's just, you know, he's like a nice brandy, like it never goes bad. Come on. Um, but Lydia, because I know her on such a personal level, it was so heartwarming to me because, you know, she's never stopped working hard. She's, you know, that's when she was number one in the world, she was grinding and killing it all day, every day as it was, you know? And, and so that's something that's never left her and the, the passion that she has for the game, the sort of inquisitive little squirrel mind that she has of wanting to pick things apart and wanting to understand things while still maintaining that sort of, uh, you know, she's like a Rembrandt or like a, um, you know, a, a, an artist where she can just sort of conjure stuff. She's like an alchemist where she can like coax and conjure things out of the soil, quite literally, that it's heartwarming and it's beautiful and it, it is inspiring. Again, I will always say that I'm the most delusionally positive person you'll ever meet. Cause I'm just like, well, yeah, I, I could shank this, but I could also hold out. That's part of the mystery of life. <laughs> and that never leaves you. I mean, when, when you shoot, you know, 74, 74 and miss the cut, I mean, it doesn't dent that optimism. No, because like I said, it's not optimism. It's delusion. <laughs> <laughs> so I told myself, you know, like when I, in Hawaii, like I shot uh, 76, 72, missed the cut. And I was just like, glad to get those rounds out of the way. Like, let's freaking go. You know, like I, I have, I've been at the game for too long to be too fearful of consequences. Like I'll be terrified of like my body and what my body is going to do by way of swing. Um, especially when it gets breezy, like it did. And you know, the, the number of times I would take a swing and I'd be like, all right, well, it's a three o'clock wind. And I'm like, I, at contact, I'm like, <gasps> It was when it was going at 324. I was going to go four yards too long. That does not take away from the fact that I would still 90% of the time fully commit to a shot. Um, so again, delusionally positive, delusionally optimistic. And the way I see it, if I'm not optimistic, I probably would have taken my own life like I did, uh, like I had nearly attempted to over 10 years ago. So those are the only two options I'm giving myself. I'm, I'm going to go by the way of the optimism. Sorry, we're gonna, delusion. We're going to do a, an entire uh, episode on mental health and, and, and really go deep on all that stuff because it's profound and it's a huge part of your journey. I think for our first one out of the box here, we're going we're gonna to table that just for a <laughs> week or two, not, not to diminish its importance, but um, I, I feel like we, could, we can talk about just that topic alone for easily an hour. Um, and it's fascinating because, I mean, every, everybody has their struggles being in, the, in the, being in the limelight, traveling the world, um, having a high profile on social media, all these things that are part of being a, a professional golfer, the way you've embraced it. I'm, it only adds to that. I'm sure, you know, you can't, your bad days are much more public and it's harder to, uh, to hide in some ways. And so that, that's, that's one of the Why hide it though? Just because I have a lifestyle that is, I'm so fortunate where I'm able to travel the world. And I, I'm one of the few people that does what they love and is lucky enough to love what they do does not take away from the fact that I can still have shitty days. 
And, you know, that's one thing that I think people don't realize because I, I, you know, I was talking with a couple of friends, actually a couple of tour players are like, yeah, like you feel guilty. And I said, I sit there and I say, I can empathize with that because you sit there and you're like, okay, well, why am I crying my eyes out when I'm in a beautiful country with a ticket that was purchased for by a sponsor? One of the few times that will happen during the season and there's no cut and I have a husband that loves me or I have fur babies that love and it's like that's a you you feel what you feel don't try and invalidate what it is that you're feeling just to clarify you're this is you're talking about other players could have those thoughts because you have not gotten married in the last t- few weeks secretly have you not that i'm aware of not okay good i just cards for me i just want other, other players i know i just wanted to clarify that for the listeners because uh you know you you the the construction of that sentence could have been, you know, misleading, but yeah, you're oh, still. Oh, we can go on and on about dowries. Okay. We're gonna... <laughs> uh, yeah. But you do, you have had the same boyfriend for quite a long time and that's, uh, I mean, that's, he's a caddy on the LPGA tour. So that makes it a little mm-hmm. more feasible, but brings its own challenges. So how's that going? Everything's good. Um, Duncan is, Let's see. I think the last time I saw him was actually March 3rd of 2020. He, we, we worked together in, in Australia and then he is in the midst of uh, switching his visa over to another player. And New Zealand's been like, wait, you want to leave New Zealand? And you want to go where during the pandemic? Well, we're not really open for all of those things right now. So, um, you know, we started dating. It'll be 11 years in July. And this was sort of like at the birth of like FaceTiming and Skyping and video chatting and all of that stuff. So, you know, it's... Oh, girl, that is like, no, that's like 2006. Where you been? Shoot. Um, (laughs) I'm so out of it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm usually way ahead of the curve, um, but he's, uh, he's doing well. We talk every day. He's down to like a plus two handicap right now. And I'm like, all right, well, all you do is basically fish for Marlin and play golf. That's pretty awesome. And you're in, you're in one of the safest places in the world. Um, so he's doing really well. He actually just sent me a WhatsApp a little while ago. And I was like, have to do a podcast. I'll BRB. <laughs> uh, Duncan's been, he's been bumped down the food chain a little bit here. I like it. So hey, what, what, gotta have priorities. Exactly. So what, what is his prognosis is from a visa and professional standpoint? Like when is he going to get out on the tour again? Yeah, <laughs> that is the million dollar question. It's, it's honestly, it's just a matter of when the interviews, um, uh, all he has to do, they have all his paperwork, they have all his money, they have all of this and that. They just need to be like, okay, come in, stamp, bye-bye. So it's just whenever that happens, but they've been backlogged. They've been really slow with um, taking care of things, obviously, because of the former guy. Things were a little different by way of um, visas and things like that. Anyway, there were like changes and movements and all that stuff. So, you know, at the end of the day, until we're all vaccinated, like I'm okay just sort of waiting. Like what's going to what am I going to do? I'm, I'm just playing golf. Fair enough. And he, did you consider buzzing in New Zealand and quarantining and then hanging out with them? Or that was just not in the cards? For a nanosecond, I did. Um, 
I did think about that. It's just, it would be such a hassle. I'd have to get like a specific dispensation to even be allowed a visa into New Zealand because you, they're, you know, they're, they're happy to let all of their, um, you know, uh, citizens to come in, but just because they want to make sure they keep everyone safe, it would be hard to do it for people outside of um, New Zealand citizenship and this and that, whatever else. So, you know, it would be like in order to get like a two to three week stint with him, it would be over a month of me being gone in a way in two weeks of quarantine. I know Emma Talley, when she and her boyfriend Patrick went to went home, he's from New Zealand as well. Um, they had to stay in their hotel room for two weeks, like legitimately could not do anything, like just a single room, like no practice, nothing. And I was like, it's not that golf is more important than you. It's just, we, we have to be practical about these kinds of things. We have to be logical. Like, you know, you just have to do what you have to do. We all have to make sacrifices, you know? By the way, my celebrity crush is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Jacinda, you like old Cindy. <laughs> She's fantastic. Uh, well, this is great. I feel like we were pretty caught up on the on your little world here. And um, there's so many, for sure, we're going to have to do an entire episode about the, the player caddy romance. Because that is, it's already a complicated relationship when you when you add in all the other stuff um, of, of I want to drill down on that. I don't know if that's a proper metaphor, but uh, gross. Um, gross. <laughs> we've, we've, we've got a blueprint for about a month's worth of podcast here, just from this one conversation. Which oh, we got a blueprint for a season's worth of podcast. We've got a blueprint for a month's worth of podcast. If we're shooting every single day, a different episode, come on, Alan. A season. This could be like a life sentence. Could you imagine like 20 years from now, you'll be playing senior events and, I'll be like AIRP and we'll still be podcasting. I'm totally down. I, I will tell you right now though, I, that as of right now, my only real goal is, is just finishing my life somewhere around even par anything over that. I like, like your lifetime score. You're keeping track. Yeah. Yeah. I I've just teed off on the 10th hole <laughs> or actually no, sorry. I just teed off on the first hole on Saturday. I just made the cut because he just cut it off at 36 holes. That's actually, I mean, who has the patience? I would love to know what your lifetime score is on LPGA. Like across 17 plus seasons, are you like, you know, 13 under par? Are you 108 over par? Like Ooh. we can look it up. We need an intern. We're, we're going to get a full send intern to, um, right? poor, poor child. That would be fascinating. Like that I've, would I've be always, very interesting. I've, I've thought about how many words have I typed in my career across, you know, 27 years. Like I've, I've kind of tried to noodle it out. It's only a guess, but uh, those kind of numbers are, are fascinating because it's absolutely. Uh, I was talking with um, my caddy, Todd Petrie. Uh, he's been helping me with my swing a bit. And we were talking the other day. He's like, I have seen over a million. I've caddied for over a million golf shots like like that. You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, but some of those million golf shots only meant like five yards. <laughs> yeah, when he was catting at Bannon Dunes, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so yeah, these are, but that's the thing. Like the things that would add up to a lifetime 
of life, whatever our life may be, like whether it's me as a golf player, you as a writer, Todd as a caddy, you know, Duncan as a, you know, fisherman in essence, you know, or anything like that, you know, people that a doctor is a number of sutures that they've stitched up or, you know, it's just, it's fascinating what can be equated to a lifetime. Yeah, I used to love when, when Tiger was asked about chasing Jack's record for major championships and he'd always say, it, it's going to take a career. And I, I found that like a very satisfying answer. It was just an acknowledgement. That's that so meta. Yeah. That, and even this was even pre-scandals, pre-whatever, but he would just as you, never, you don't know what's coming and uh, what you're going to have to overcome and what the triumphs are going to be. And, you know, for Tiger, this is an extreme case, but I guess it's, it's kind of the same, you know, I, I don't know what, what books I'm going to write, what stories I'm going to write. I mean, it, it's just going to take a whole career to figure that out. And you're the same as a golfer. So it's kind of, it's a cool thought. And I guess it's we'll get beautiful. to enjoy it. Yeah. Get to enjoy this journey together a little bit for now. So, um, well, this seems like, like the right time to let our, our listeners go, but this was a, this was good fun as always. And uh, it's nice to catch up on where you are in your life and your career. We have so many more things to talk about. It's, it's fun to think about. So, um, you know, I'm always bad at the ends here. Can can you can you like like chop this this uh this episode off here? Can you, can I can you help do me my out? Best. You gotta rescue yeah. me. Yeah, no, I can do my best. I, I think you did a wonderful job of you know describing what took place today. I'm very excited to see what the future holds for the two of us. I am very excited to see what the future holds for the Fire Pit Collective for this podcast for myself as a golfer for you as a person in media for your kids for your doggies like you know and and for our listeners you know every every journey is pretty you know remarkable and so i think that this was just our first step into a new endeavor and i just checked the bottoms of my feet so far there's no poop so thanks for listening Thanks for listening. This is the uh, Full Send Podcast with Christina Kim, Alan Shipnuck. We'll do this again. You can find us uh, on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us on Apple iTunes, anywhere you consume your podcast. We should be there. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll do this again soon. That's it.